Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected the stories that are most entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Japanese traditions. Our myths may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you enjoy them. Also a warning that today's episode contains depictions of violence, bloodshed, and physical injury. Please exercise caution for listeners under 13. On a rocky hill by a raging sea, Prince Ninigi lay still on his back. His eyes were closed, as they had been for hours, and when he finally opened them, he saw that the sky was falling. Massive chunks of bamboo and stone rained down from above. Ninigi yelped and rolled to the side, scrambling across stony terrain to avoid being flattened. He pulled himself up and looked to the stormy sky. His stomach dropped when he realized the lower half of the floating bridge had fallen apart. It connected the earthly realm with the heavenly plain, Ninigi's home. He was on earth to claim his place as king. But now that the bridge was broken, a return was impossible. (sighs) Ninigi wasn't alone. Lying a few paces away under broken bamboo slats was Uzume, the dancing goddess who'd shown him the way down the bridge. Ninigi rushed to her side and pulled her from the debris. Uh, Uzume, it's all right. Well, actually, it's terrible. The bridge is broken, but I think we'll manage if I can just figure out where we are. Who goes there? Ninigi turned. The voice came from a palace, half hidden by fog. Firelight flickered in its windows, where guards stood watch. Ninigi took a few steps forward and reached for the sword at his side. But the blade his grandmother Amaterasu had given him was gone. Frantic, he grabbed at his back. Her magic mirror was gone too. All that was left of her gifts was a green jewel around his neck, and that was no weapon. I said, who goes there? Uh, who, who's asking? I am Sarutahiko, king of the earthly realm. Ninigi tensed. He had known becoming king wouldn't be easy, but he hadn't planned on having competition. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Last week, we met Ninigi, grandson of the goddess Amaterasu, who volunteered to rule the chaotic earthly realm. The only one clever enough to guide him was Uzume, an exiled dancer with a grudge against Amaterasu. But Ninigi promised Uzume a better life below, and she took him down the bridge, where a lightning spirit's attack sent them tumbling into oblivion. This week, we'll conclude Ninigi's tale by witnessing him grapple with a fierce rival and make an immense sacrifice for love. Coming up, Ninigi lays low while his temper rises. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. King Sarutahiko's guards dragged two captives to the castle gates. One was the dancing goddess Uzume, who looked at the battlements with grim recognition. The other was Ninigi, who glared at Uzume. Did you take me here without telling me I had a rival? Who is this Sarutihiko? Eh, he's the god of the crossroads. I performed at this palace ages ago when it was just a hut. He was no king then, just a nuisance. Good tipper, though. He likes you. Then convince him that I'm the rightful king. That might be difficult. I may have broken his heart. So what am I supposed to do? Just confront him and tell him that I'm- My son. What? If he asks, you're my son. I'm taking you down here to start over. Understood? Look, your weapons are gone and your limp is hardly heroic. Just make it through his questions and he'll let us pass. Then we can regroup and conquer. If you say so. Ninigi and Uzume were ushered down a hall. Sarutahiko's home was massive, but it was also crumbling and crawling with vermin. The flames in the torches barely flickered in the drafty corridor. It was a sorry excuse for a king's residence, and Ninigi vowed that he'd make it gleam if he took over. No, when he took over. Sarutahiko was the strangest kami Ninigi had ever seen. He was tall with a long, dark, gray-flecked beard and a nose so pointy it looked like it could cut glass. He was imposing in some ways, but his eyes were as mischievous as a monkey's and his ears were monkey ears. When he saw his prisoners, he bounded towards them. Ninigi tensed up as Sarutahiko extended his long arms, was he going to throttle him? But the god jostled past Ninigi to take Uzume's hand and kiss her palm, then her fingers, then her wrist. Mm, mm, Uzume, mm, I thought I'd never see you again. It's uh, nice to see you, Sarutahiko. Meet my son, Kaito. A son? Mm-hmm. Uzume, is he ours? What? No! Our tryst was a century ago. Huh, I thought it was more than just a tryst. How old is the lad? Sixteen. They grow up so fast. Apparently so. Shall we catch up over supper? Food was served, and Sarutahiko peppered Uzume with questions about her visit. She played the role of mother with surprising ease, and told a convincing tale about escaping the boring perfection of heaven for a new life of freedom below. Ninigi tried to focus on his meal, but it wasn't much of one. Tasteless fish, a few roots and berries. His stomach growled for the buttery rice he ate in the heavens, but there was no rice on earth, save for the one grain Amaterasu had given him. It didn't help that Sarutahiko kept stealing food off his plate. Ninigi wasn't sure if this was an intimidation tactic or if the monkey man was genuinely starving. Ninigi couldn't stand sitting there while this kami prattled on, so he decided to learn a few things about the domain that was meant for him. So, is it difficult, ruling the earthly realm? Ah, well, yes and no. I see. And the kami down here, are they easy to manage? Quite. Why, are you planning a coup? <laughs> Kaito, let's not pester the king. But what about all the chaos? In the heavenly plane, we see storms and hear awful screams. A lightning kami nearly blew us up on the bridge. Ah, that's all just a show. Something to scare away the nosy gods above. That's foolish. The gods above get involved every time there's discord. Maybe in the old days, but we haven't seen an envoy in centuries. The gods have all grown as soft as their leader, Amaterasa. You're wrong. Naniki! Uh, Kaito, stop! Say, who's Naniki? 
It's, uh, it's his father's name. They look alike and I confuse them. Drop it, Izume. Sarutihiko, I am the rightful king of the earthly realm. Ninigi no Mikoto, grandson of Amaterasu, the sun goddess. Yes, I suspected as much. We found your granny's toys out in the rubble earlier. Sarutahiko waved a hand and a guard marched in. In his arms were Kusanagi no Tsurugi, the grass-cutting sword, and Yata no Kagami, the eightfold mirror. The guard placed them on the table by Sarutahiko. The smirking god placed one hand on the sword and the other on the mirror. Ninigi stood, his eyes narrowing. So you want to challenge my rule? <laughs> Come and get your weapons, weakling! Ninigi looked down at the sword. Sarutahiko's eyes followed. Ninigi twitched in that direction, and Sarutahiko lunged to hold it down. It was just what Ninigi wanted. He grabbed the mirror instead and whipped its jade cover open. By the power of Amaterasu, I command you to surrender! A giant, translucent image of Amaterasu sprang from the mirror to float in the air and glare at Sarutahiko. The god stumbled back and covered his eyes in shock. <laughs> she looks terrible. Oh, the years have not been kind. Ninigi's rage exploded, and he darted forward to grab his sword. Show some respect and kneel before the grass-cutting sword. A spear materialized in Sarutahiko's arms, point aimed at Ninigi. This is my spear. It doesn't have a silly name, but it is quite sharp. Ninigi sprang at Sarutahiko. The blade and spear clashed over and over while Uzume sat at the table and popped berries into her mouth. Uzume, a little help? Ah, <sighs> fine. Uzume rolled her eyes and waited until the duel made its way to her side of the room. Then she stuck out her foot and tripped Sarutahiko. The god went tumbling, and Ninigi leapt on top of him. He held his sword at his neck, trying not to wince as a drop of blood trickled down the god's throat. You really want to be king this badly? Since your kami broke the bridge and I can never go home, I have nothing to lose. I might as well claim this palace and dance on your grave. That's a lovely threat, but I don't think you want this. It's my purpose and my duty, and you can't change my mind. Oh, watch me. Sarutahiko grabbed Ninigi's sword by the blade. He gritted his teeth and shoved it backwards. The handle connected with Ninigi's forehead. The boy fell back, and Sarutahiko pulled himself up. He rushed to a set of red curtains and whipped them open. Look! Ninigi stared out at the realm he was meant to rule. He'd seen the majestic cliffs and wild sea when he fell from the sky, but up close, the view was far grimmer. This is my kingdom. Shanty towns that teeter over an angry ocean. Broken down kami, who would devour me if they weren't too weak from starvation to revolt. I do what I can for them. But the land is dead and the sun barely shines. The earth isn't chaotic, it's just miserable and nearly impossible to rule. Maybe for you, but I can accomplish the impossible. Oh, can you? <laughs> All right, I like a good wager. You have seven days to prove your worth as king, Ninigi. Feed the masses, quell their suffering, and make a name for yourself. And if you don't... Sarutahiko picked up his spear and pointed it at Uzume's neck. I remain king, and Uzume dies. 
No, I can't do this to her. I promised her a better life down here. And I didn't risk everything to take you here so you could be a coward. Take the challenge so you can give me what you promised. I can handle him for now. <sighs> then, I agree. Seven days to prove myself as king. <laughs> but that's not all. A king is nothing without a worthy queen. So, in the next seven days, you must woo a girl of my choosing. Who is she? Her name is Sakuya, daughter of Oyamatsumi, the mountain god. They call her the Impossible Bride. Why do they call her that? You'll have to find out for yourself. Ninigi looked at Uzume. He hated to see fear and uncertainty in his formidable guide's eyes. Fear that was his fault. So he put his sword down and extended a hand to Sarutahiko. They shook. Seven days. It's a deal. Coming up, Ninigi faces his subjects and searches for an impossible bride. The most urgent mysteries in the world are missing persons cases. The stakes are too high not to pursue every plausible possibility, and some implausible ones too. I'm Sarah Turney, host of the new podcast, Disappearances. In 2020, after spending years searching for the truth, I use social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now, every Thursday on Spotify, I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. From child abductions and mystifying murders to those who took drastic measures to start over, each episode of Disappearances journeys through a different high-profile missing persons case, ripped from the headlines and ripe for explanation. Because no one just vanishes into thin air. The answers are out there, waiting to be found. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Hear a new episode every Thursday, free and only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back to the story. When Ninigi left the palace of Saru Tahiko, the so-called king of the earth, his mission was clear. He had seven days to gain the respect of the kingdom's hungry, disillusioned kami and prove himself as king, or Saru Tahiko would kill Uzume. Ninigi also had to woo a girl named Sakuya, the impossible bride. He didn't even know where to begin with that task, so he focused on the villagers first. When he saw them from Saru Tahiko's castle, they seemed gaunt and worn out. As he descended the hill into town, he figured they would be an easy, willing audience. Greetings to you all. I am Ninigi, grandson of Amaterasu, and I am here to help. The villagers took one look at the prince bearing Amaterasu's sword and magic mirror and flew into a rage, calling him names and insulting his lineage. I, I know you don't like visitors from above, but I mean you no harm. I'm here to bring the order and harmony you desperately need. What we need is food, you silly sky prince. The words came from a young woman in a pink robe. She seemed frail, but her eyes burned with indignation. 
Emboldened, Ninigi drew his sword. The mob was ready to attack until he carved a line in the mud with the blade. Then food you shall have. He reached into his pocket and pulled out the grain of rice that his grandmother Amaterasu gave him. He set it in the mud. Everyone watched curiously, as did Ninigi. He didn't know what to expect. The rain and mud made for perfect growing conditions, but there was so little sun shining through the clouds. Then Ninigi had an idea. He slung the eightfold mirror off his back and opened it. This time, not to conjure a fearsome image of Amaterasu, Ninigi angled it so the dim rays of sunshine hit the mirror's center and reflected into the soil. The earth shifted and plants began to grow at Ninigi's feet. Everyone watched in awe as a field of rice plants spread out from where the seed had been minutes before. Now, I'll teach you how to harvest. <laughs> the villagers surged forward, knocking Ninigi over. They tore at the plants eagerly. Some even ate the grains raw. There was plenty to go around, but Ninigi was still furious that they would not listen. He stood, only to be knocked over again by the girl in the pink robe. She jostled past him with six stalks of rice in her hands. Ninigi pursued her, winding through the crowd until he could grab her shoulder. Excuse me, miss, you're being selfish. You can't take all of that for yourself. She scoffed and carried the rice to a row of barren trees, where she gave it to elderly kami who were too sickly to join the harvest. Ninigi felt shame pulse in his gut. He knelt beside her to help give out the rice. I'm sorry I snapped at you. I should not have been so quick to judge. <sighs> Hello again. I'm Ninigi. I'm Konohana Sakuya Hime. But you may call me Sakuya. Sakuya, the impossible bride. Ninigi was bewildered. She seemed rough around the edges, but if that was all that was wrong with her, he'd happily propose. But then again, maybe it was a trap. He had to get to know her better first. Sakuya, why are you giving your share to others? They need it more than I do. And I like to be of use. I could use you. <laughs> Excuse me? I mean, uh, I could use your assistance. Getting people to listen and teaching them to harvest properly and things like that. Sakuya, you understand these kami better than I do. So would you help a desperate prince? Ninigi gently took her hand. Sakuya looked away, and a dusky rose color bloomed across her cheeks. Behind her, the barren tree's branches suddenly burst with cherry blossoms. Is that a yes? I suppose so. <laughs> But don't think I'm going to do your dirty work just because you're a prince from the clouds. We have to be partners. Agreed? Partners sounds perfect. Over the next four days, Sakuya became Ninigi's right-hand woman. She helped him build a modest hut for himself and a school for the younger kami. They fielded requests for aid from the villagers, who were rapidly coming around to Ninigi. They even figured out a recipe for rice that rivaled Amaterasu's cooking. She didn't tell Ninigi much about herself or her past, but he barely noticed. He was too busy imagining a future where they were together. The sun set on Ninigi's fifth day in the earthly realm. He and Sakuya strolled along the seaside cliffs, both worn out from their work. Sakuya kept pointing out more things they could improve, but Ninigi was lost in thought. He knew what he had to do to save Uzume and gain control of the throne, so he stopped Sakuya and turned to face her. He took Amaterasu's jeweled necklace off his neck and placed it around hers. 
Uh, Sakuya, uh, will you marry me? Yes. Great! But why would you say yes after only a few days? Why would you ask me after only a few days? Because I like you, and a king needs a worthy queen. We may not know each other yet, but we're immortal. We have forever to learn to embrace each other's flaws. I just want that eternity to start tonight. Now, why did you say yes? Because I don't believe in wasting time. And I believe in you. That makes one of us. But Niniki, there's something I haven't told you. What is it? You want an eternity together, but I'm... <sighs> I'm going to need my father's blessing. Oh, I'd be happy to meet him. First thing tomorrow. I just hope you're strong enough to handle the challenge. Trust me, I am. But what do we do until then? Sakuya looked out at the water, rubbing the gleaming jewel on her necklace. Its soft glow lit up the tears on her cheek. Make the most of the time we have. Then Sakuya threw her arms around Ninigi and kissed him. the next day, Ninigi went up to Sarutahiko's palace. He wanted to check on Uzume, but couldn't find her. Instead, he saw Sarutahiko in the courtyard, supervising his guards as they built something that looked like a giant cage. Where's Uzume? I swear, if you have her in some kind of dungeon... Asleep in her quarters, unharmed, unbothered. Unwilling to speak to me. Smart woman. What are you building? Something that will keep Uzume here with me forever. I thought you wanted her dead. Maybe it's a crypt. Well, you won't get to use it. I've tamed the villagers, and I'm on my way to ask Sakuya's father for her hand. She said yes. <laughs> I can tell. You reek of cherry blossoms. Let's hope you're still as eager once you learn the cost of Sakuya's love. Sarutahiko smirked and walked off. Ninigi left the courtyard disturbed. Back down the hill, he saw Sakuya waiting nervously by his hut. She pointed to a snow-capped mountain in the distance, then took his hand and started walking. Ninigi followed, hoping she couldn't feel how clammy his palms were. Sakuya led Ninigi into an opening at the base of a mountain. Ninigi had seen some stunning sights in his life. Still, Sakuya's home truly took his breath away. The mountain was hollow inside, exposing a vast system of caves, cliffs, and pools of blue-black water. The dark stone walls glinted with flecks of gold and half-buried jewels, and cherry blossom trees dotted the vista. He didn't know how they bloomed in the dark, but he knew it was surely sweet Sakuya's touch. Some aspects did unsettle Ninigi, like the pits of fire that lay scattered across the ground, and all the bats, and the strange stone statue of a woman he passed, whose eyes seemed to follow him as he moved. But this was his future queen's home, and he would honor her family. Ninigi took a knee, then looked around expectantly. Where is your father? Somewhere else in this mountain? No, Niniki. My father is the mountain. A rich, deep voice boomed, echoing across the caves. Welcome, Niniki no Mikoto, grandchild of Amaterasu. Thank you, great Oyamatsumi. Don't hold my lineage against me. Nonsense. Unlike most down here, I still pledge fealty to the heavens, and I welcome a union that brings harmony to our realms. Then may I have your blessing to marry Sakuya? I've given her Amaterasu's jewel, but if you require more of a dowry, I can certainly conjure up riches. Save your wealth for bettering the realm. 
Your presence is honor enough. I cannot imagine a better mate for my daughters. You honor me with... Pardon me, did you say... Daughters? Yes, Ninigi no Mikoto. Ninigi turned to see that the statue of the woman he'd seen earlier was somehow behind him now. Her stony face cracked into a tight smile. It's good to meet you, husband-to-be. I'm Iwanaga. Great Oyamatsumi? I don't understand. I believe a fellow needs two wives. One who is sweet and delicate, blooming with youth and vitality, like my cherry blossom Sakuya. But flowers shrivel, and a marriage must last longer than a bouquet. That's why I offer you Iwanaga. She may not be the most charming, or kind, or thoughtful, or loving. She may frankly scare you, and you will often wonder if she's plotting against you. Father, don't be rude. Spare me your sympathy, sister. But Iwanaga is as solid as a rock, and she will be by your side for eternity. They come as a pair, and that is non-negotiable. With all due respect to both you and Iwanaga, Sakuya has my heart, and I only want her as my queen for eternity. <laughs> oh, you mean she hasn't told you? Sakuya, what does she mean? Sweet young Sakuya is mortal. What? Allow me to explain. Iwanaga reached her claws out and shot a bolt of energy into Ninigi's heart. Coming up, Ninigi faces an impossible choice. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations at Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, back to the story. Ninigi fell to his knees in unbearable pain, wishing he'd never come to the mountain. He was there to ask the mountain god Oyamatsumi's permission to marry his daughter Sakuya, only to discover he wanted him to marry his strange, stony daughter Iwanaga, too. He had to, because Sakuya was mortal. Ninigi had no real sense of mortality, being an eternal kami, but Iwanaga educated him in her own twisted way. She'd shot a bolt of energy into his heart, and using the bolt like a tether, she pulled a massive globe of light from Ninigi's body. The white-hot energy floated above Iwanaga, filling the entire cave. This is your kami essence, my king. Pure, eternal, and endless. Iwanaga launched the energy back at Ninigi, and his body absorbed it. Then she turned to Sakuya and shot a bolt at her. The essence she pulled from her delicate sister was a pale pink orb the size of a pomegranate. Ninigi watched in horror as Sakuya aged in seconds, becoming wrinkled, white-haired, a husk of her beauty. This is Sakuya's essence. She was born wrong, although father insists I stole her essence in the womb to become the goddess of everlasting stone that I am. 
Stop! You're hurting her! Existing hurts her. Sukuya's only decades before she withers like a blossom in the winter. All the oracles agree her children will suffer from this affliction. If you lay with her, you may too. <laughs> Hardly a way to build an eternal dynasty. Iwanaga returned the energy to Sakuya. Ninigi watched as her wrinkles faded, her hair regained its dark luster, and she cried out with relief. Sakuya reached out to Ninigi, but he felt his rage flare and smacked her hand away. Sakuya! Why didn't you tell me? Because of the look on your face right now. I've seen it too many times, from too many suitors. If it's any comfort, the only time we truly wasted was mine. Ugh, enough of the melodrama. Nanigi, marry both of us. If you get me out of this cave, I'll stay out of your hair until she croaks. Then we can breed. I could never be with a woman who takes such pleasure in her sister's pain. Oh, you'd rather marry a dying liar? No! It was a trap. I want no part of this sick, strange family. This was a mistake. Ninigi ignored Sakuya's gasp of pain and betrayal and ran from the cave. He regretted every moment of his time in the earthly realm. He cursed his father for being too scared to do the job. He cursed his grandmother for placing the weight of the realm on his shoulders. And he cursed himself for thinking he was strong enough to handle it and putting Uzume in harm's way. He decided there was only one way left to be king, rescue Uzume, kill Sarutahiko, and take his throne by force. Ninigi stormed into the palace courtyard. He raced toward the throne room, but he was distracted by the structure he'd seen Sarutahiko build earlier. A familiar wisp of movement passed its doorway. Following it, he discovered Uzume on a platform with a smile on her face. Azume, what's happening here? Sarutahiko built me a stage, my own stage, like I always wanted. He said that if you did succeed with the bride, he wanted another way to keep me around. Sad to admit, but I found it kind of sweet. In a desperate way. No, he's tricking you. Like he almost tricked me into marrying Sakuya and her stony demon sister. Azume, I promised you the world. Don't settle for a terrible king. I'm ready to slay him. Part of me might enjoy that. But I don't mind him spoiling me, and killing him won't prove your worth, only your sword's strength. The honorable thing is to bring your impossible bride home. Since when do you care about honor? Since I met a young prince who showed me that not all royals are violent despots. But I can't marry Sakuya, even though I wanted to. She's mortal. She only has decades. Grandmother wanted me to bring peace to the realm forever. If my queen dies and my heirs are mortal, and I'm at risk of catching this condition, how can I get anything done? How can I be the king I swore I'd be? Ah, oh, you already are. Look. Uzume pointed down the hill at the village. The rice stalks grew tall and strong, and the kami worked in harmony to harvest it. I only met you seven days ago. In that time, you've gone from a scared boy who couldn't swing a sword to a leader, a provider, a man who knows what he wants and who cares about getting it the right, decent way. Even if you only have a few decades, I can only imagine how much good you'll do. I didn't do all this. I had a partner. Ninigi stood, his hand reaching for his sword. And she needs me as much as I need her. Tell Sara Tahiko I'll be back, with my bride. You're a good friend, Uzume. Don't tell anyone, I have a reputation to maintain. Ninigi raced back into Oyamatsumi's mountain cave, his sword at his side and his mirror in his back. Iwanaga stood exactly where he'd left her hours before. It was like she'd been waiting for him this entire time. Oyamatsumi! 
I need to speak to you! Father's resting. He leaves me to do his dirty work. <laughs> like Amaterasu, who left you to take control of this realm. See? We have so much in common. I'm here to take Sakuya, and only Sakuya, as my bride. I don't care if she's mortal. Well, do you care if she's dead? What? Sakuya was heartbroken when you used and abandoned her, and so tired of being a burden to our family. Hmm. So she tossed herself into that fire pit. Iwanaga pointed to a nearby lava pit. Singed cherry blossoms lay on the edge of it. Ninigi's heart ached, and it took all of his strength to stay upright. No. There is no time for tears, my king. Be practical. You need a bride to ascend to the throne, and I could be of great use. After all, I seem to scare everyone I meet, so I'll keep your subjects in line. Please. Iwanaga reached out a stony, clawed hand. Ninigi stared at it, feeling numb. So numb that her offer almost made sense. He took a step forward and reached out. Help! That's when he heard a faint echo of Sakuya's voice. He looked over Iwanaga's shoulder. On the far wall behind her, he saw a stone formation that looked different from the other rock. It was lighter, newer, and shaped like a woman. Through cracks in the rocks, little cherry blossoms sprouted. You lying witch! She's still alive! Ninigi ran past Iwanaga, headed for the wall to unseal Sakuya from her stone trap. Iwanaga screeched with rage and jerked her hands up to the sky. A rock wall burst up from the ground to block Ninigi's path. He swung the grass-cutting sword and sliced clean through the stone. Iwanaga raised her claws up, then down. Stalactites rained down on Ninigi. He waved his sword in the air, expertly deflecting the sharp stones. Ninigi was almost at the wall when he fell, stabbing pain pulsing across his back. As she'd done before, Iwanaga drew out Ninigi's essence. The giant orb floated in the air above Iwanaga, only linked to Ninigi by a tendril of white light. He tried to crawl away, but the energy held him in place. Let the girl die, Ninigi, or lose your chance at ruling for eternity! Ninigi knew he couldn't save Sakuya like this, so he looked back at his essence, floating in the air above him. It held all the magic and power and strength that made him an eternal kami. Being drained of it felt devastating. But not as devastating as the thought of losing Sakuya, so Ninigi picked up his sword and sliced the tether that connected him to his essence. Waves of pain and agony racked Ninigi's body. Every bruise and scrape he'd received during his adventure suddenly burned, and he'd never felt more powerless. But somehow, Ninigi stood, raced to the wall, and swung his sword at Sakuya's trap. The blade barely made a dent in the rocks that covered her. Sakuya, just hold on. I'll get you out. Ninigi tossed his sword aside and clawed at the rocks with his bare hands. He dug and dug, breaking his fingernails and coating his arms with blood. But the cracks finally widened enough for Sakuya to break free. You came back. I should have never left in the first place. You made the wrong choice, Nanigi, and now you're both mortal. <laughs> I almost envy your love, but I don't envy the price you'll pay for it. 
Iwanaga raised her arms, and the orb of Ninigi's essence warped and throbbed. She moved her hands, reshaping the energy into a massive blade made of light. One she pointed right at Ninigi and Sakuya. With all this new power, maybe I'll take the throne. <laughs> Farewell, my would-be king. Ninigi and Sakuya looked into each other's eyes. Their time together had been so brief, and now it was up. In the final act of her short, sad life, Sakuya grabbed Ninigi and pulled him close. They kissed as Iwanaga's blade sped towards them. Sakuya reached behind Ninigi's head as if to caress his hair and her hand grasped the magic mirror on Ninigi's back. Suddenly, Sakuya whipped Ninigi around so the mirror faced Iwanaga. The blade of energy reflected off the glass and shot back into her sister. The goddess of stone exploded into thousands of pebbles. Sakuya walked through the remains of her sister. She looked like she might weep, so Ninigi rushed up to put a hand on her shoulder. Sakuya, I'm so sorry for your loss. Well, that makes one of us. Then Sakuya smiled, kicked one of the rocks aside, and walked out of the cave. Ninigi followed, stunned at how swiftly Iwanaga had died after absorbing his essence. He'd never known how much strength he'd had inside until it was gone. The sun set on the seventh day as Ninigi and Sakuya limped into Sarutahiko's throne room. The king sat on his throne, eyeing Ninigi with interest. Behind him, Uzume sighed with relief. Sarutahiko, I've done everything you've told me to do, but I'm mortal now. I don't know that I'll have the strength to rule, but I tried. All I ask is that you treat Uzume with the respect she deserves. Of course I will. Now enough chatter, boy. Come and have a seat. You mean, <laughs> on your throne? On yours. We both know I'm a terrible king. I just wanted to make sure the man who took my place was truly worthy. And you are King Niniki. You really mean that? Don't fib, Saru Tahiko. He deserves the truth. Saru's quitting because he's scared. We went to the villagers to invite them to the opening of my dance hall, but your subjects have gotten testy. They have complaints for the king, whoever that is. But Ninigi gave them the heavenly gift of rice. We built them better huts and taught them the value of sharing and providing for one another. They like us. They did. But now that they're eating three meals a day for the first time, they've got more strength to think and complain with. They want their huts fortified, they'd like Nanigi to make the ocean less loud and less wet. And, oh, the weaving women are unionizing. Ah, uh, um, I, I, I think I can handle all of that. Or most of it. Good, because it looks like they're marching up the hill right now. <sighs> all right. Line them up and allow them in, one by one. I'll address each of my subjects' concerns personally and peacefully. Ninigi walked up to Sarutahiko. The deity stood and scurried aside while Ninigi sat on his throne. It was more uncomfortable than he thought, and he didn't feel a rush of power. He just felt like himself, and he hoped that would be enough. Are you sure you're ready, Ninigi? No. But I'm king now, and I don't have a second to waste. Send them in! Ninigi was the last in a series of heavenly kami who descended the floating bridge to tame the earthly realm on Amaterasu's orders. 
It's another example from the Kojiki of heavenly gods assuming they know best, even if they can't understand or relate to their subjects' struggles. Ninigi isn't sent down because he's the best, most experienced leader. He's just the next privileged young god whose only claim to the earth is that it's his birthright. And yet Ninigi earns his throne by the end of his tale. He attends to his subjects' basic needs like food and shelter, and he puts his heavenly privilege aside to do so. His predecessors tried to change the world, but Ninigi is the only one who changes himself to rule. Trading his immortality for the queen his kingdom deserves shows that Ninigi really is more selfless than his ancestors and worthy of caring for the complicated realm we call home. Unlike Amaterasu, Ninigi doesn't live forever. He dies as we all do, but his brief rule makes him crucial to Japan's mythology and history. Japan's royal family, the Yamato dynasty, claimed for centuries that their emperors were descended from Ninigi's mortal heirs. It was only after World War II that they ceased to be seen as divine, but Ninigi's story still lives on. In 2019, when Japan's new emperor, Naruhito, was enthroned, he was entrusted with sacred gifts that were locked away in boxes. They were said to contain Japan's imperial regalia, Ninigi's sword, mirror, and jewel. The boxes are never opened, and some historians say that if the regalia ever did exist, it was lost or stolen centuries ago. But maybe the weapons really are in those boxes. And so the legacy of Ninigi the Mortal carries on for eternity. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic fable. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim, Albert Park, Kim Lin Tran, and Jen Wong. I'm Vanessa Richardson. I'm Sarah Turney host of the new Spotify original from ParCast, Disappearances. Every Thursday, join me for an exploration into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Following timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the truth. From prison breaks and child abductions to second chances and even murder. We'll journey through the many reasons people disappear Follow my new podcast, Disappearances, free and only on Spotify.